1: Beloved, it matters how we live our lives. It matters the integrity of our lives. For us and God, yes. For us and the church, yes. But also for us and the world. Because you would be absolutely deceived if you don't think that the world is looking at the church in order to pick out every chip, every stain, every failure that those who profess Christ go through. Are we going to be perfect? Not in this world, not in this world. I know we're going to make mistakes, but the thing that we see here is there was a failure to repent.
0: Do you think it matters to God how you live your life? Do you show integrity to others by the way you live? It matters to God, the church, yourself, and definitely the world. People are always watching Christians to see how they will fail. One thing you can't fail to do is repent. Today, Pastor David teaches that God gave Ananias and Sapphira the chance to repent, but they rejected him and were punished. God wants the best for you, and the best is for you to repent, so that you can live with him forever. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapters 4 and 5, as he continues his message, The N.T. Church Not to be Trifled With.
1: What would you do if he said, Hey, I want you to sell that, that stock option or whatever? Would you, would you, and I'm not saying made, no, I'm saying if the Spirit of God came, or are you holding on to those things too tight? Are we today a people who are willing to give of ourselves, our time, our talents, and our treasures? Because beloved, it's more than just finances. It's our, our, our whole life being usable to the Lord and being surrendered to the Lord or are you the person who strives and strives to get more in order to build up for yourselves bigger and better barns We need to remember that parable that Jesus spoke back in the gospels as a matter of fact it was in Luke's gospel Luke of the writer of the book of Acts remember the story of that again that that prosperous farmer Luke tells us about it in chapter 12 Jesus spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, I'll be able to bless many people. No, that's not what he thought. What shall I do? I don't have any room to store any more crops. I know. I'll pull down my barns. I'll build bigger and better. And that's where I'll store. I will store. Can we use the word hoard my, my goods, my crops, and then I'll be able to say to my soul, soul, you're set for life. You can kick back, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry because everything's taken care of. Jesus said, but God said to him, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be what you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You need to understand success is not a sin. Riches are not a sin. It's the attitudes of our hearts. It's how we live our lives. And I kind of wonder, as Luke is sharing these events here uh, uh, of the giving and the sharing within the church, if maybe he is reminded again of that parable that he wrote about in his gospel record. We can be so tied up to things, to to wealth, to comfort. We totally miss the needs of the people that are around us. And more than that, we miss the plan and the purpose of God for us. Our blessings actually then become, they become a chain around us. We become bound by pride, by greed, by selfishness. And It's our pride and it's our greed, it's our selfishness that then becomes the motivators of our lives and not the Spirit of God. We're going to see this played out right here in the book of Acts as Luke shares two different events showing, again, the difference of hearts. Look there in verse 36, still in chapter 4. And Joseph, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, he sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Yeah, at the apostles' feet. Yes, this is the same Barnabas that we see later on in Acts in his interaction with the apostle Paul, the same guy. Here, Luke is introducing him for the first time in the book of Acts. And you need to understand, Luke isn't presenting Barnabas as some super saint. The simple reality is, is apparently he had a piece of land. It doesn't say that this was his only piece of land or that it was his best piece of land. He simply had a piece of land and he sold it and he brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet for the disbursement wherever the need might be. He very possibly had other land. He very probably had a house that he still lived in. It doesn't say that he sold everything that he had. However, in the context of this event and the next one that we see in chapter 5, it would seem that whatever amount he sold it for, he gave that full amount to the apostles, to, again, once again, to disperse as they saw the need, to put it in today's framework. Say he had a piece of land that he sold for $15,000. He brought $15,000, gave it to the church. Say that he had uh, some sort of a share of stock and he sold it and he made $1,500. He brought that $1,500. Say he sold something on eBay for $500. He brought the $500. It was the intent of his heart. I'm going to sell this and the proceeds of this I'm giving to the Lord through the church for the work of ministry. Whatever it was, he saw the need around him was greater than his need to maintain ownership of that particular possession. Whatever he sold it for, he had already predetermined in his heart that the proceeds of that sale All of the proceeds would go back to the Lord through the ministry of the apostles. Guys, this this is a great attitude. This this is the heart attitude that I believe that the Lord wants all of us to have. And I believe that God is honored through that action. Now we move into this second section, a similar action, but a totally different heart and totally different results. Chapter 5, verse 1. But a certain man by the name of Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. There's no doubt as we look at the whole story here of Ananias and Sapphira. They, they probably saw the actions of Barnabas. They probably saw the actions of Barnabas and perhaps some others, how, again, they, they, they came and they gave just out of a giving heart. They probably had heard the whispers of, of praise. Oh, that Barnabas, isn't he a, a great guy, man? He loves the Lord so much. What a great heart Barnabas has in giving. Barnabas wasn't doing this for praise, but people kind of go that way when they see people giving selflessly. Well, they had this possession they they, they they were going to be able to sell it, and I believe that that's what they were looking for. They were looking for the praise of men. And again, Luke doesn't say that this was their only piece of land. He doesn't, he doesn't say that this is their most valuable possession. He doesn't even say how much they sold it for. But somewhere in the mix, either before they sold it or maybe after they saw, wow, we made that much out of that piece of land. Maybe they're expecting to make so much and they made actually more. Maybe that's when the scheme started turning. Well, we don't need to give all of this to the Lord, do we? Somewhere in the mix, both husband and wife determined that they were not just hold back some, but they were going to lie about it. And beloved, that's where the problem comes in, where they lied about the, the, the amount that they were giving. It's at this point, it was still within their ability to be able to come and say hey peter we sold this piece of land we made 20,000 we're going to keep 10,000 for ourselves to take care of some stuff but we want to give 10,000 to the church perfectly normal perfectly legit absolutely no issue but we're going to find out that that's not the case apparently they pretended to sacrifice the entire amount to the Lord for the needs within the church. And it's at this point in the formation of the church that God was not going to have it. To hold back a portion, that's not the problem. But to lie about it, particularly in order to gain some sort of favor or praise from man. Do you see the picture here? They're not looking for praise or favor with God at this point. They're looking for praise or favor from man. That's therein is the problem. Look at verse 3. Peter said, they had come and they brought the money in. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to man, but to God. Can you see again? It's not the amount. It's all about the lie. It's all about the deception. It appears that as soon as Ananias came and brought the money in, you know, probably with that expectation that people are going to say, ooh, Ananias, man, what a spiritual guy you are. But as soon as he brought and laid the money there, it, it would seem as though it was almost immediate that the Holy Spirit gave a word of knowledge to the apostle Peter, something that he could not have known about prior to this. There's so many dynamics that are going on here, but apparently there were others uh, of the church there when Ananias came and brought that money. We know in verse 6 that there were some young men in in the area or in the room. In verse 2, clearly we know his wife was in full agreement with his whole plan of deceit. And as Peter says these words to Ananias, can you imagine Ananias's heart coming right up to his throat? It's like, whoa, how did he know that? He says, why has Satan filled your heart? to lie to the Holy Spirit. Somehow, someway, Ananias' scheme had been found out. And as Peter declares that out loud, now everybody in the church hears it. Ananias came in for the praise of man. Now he's being exposed to man. Peter makes it very clear, though, that Ananias had had a choice. He says, you could have done whatever you wanted. But we see here, because of sin, that sin of pride that sin of envy of what had happened with Barnabas and perhaps others that greed that jealousy all of those things Ananias and Sapphira they wanted to be looked on as spiritual and as, as as giving individuals and yet they were neither one of those things and so they purposed in their heart together to lie Peter asked Ananias why is the spirit or why has satan filled your heart to lie to the holy spirit I believe the answer to that question is very clear. Satan, I believe, received permission to come into the heart of Ananias when Ananias didn't allow his heart to be completely filled by the Holy Spirit. You see, when we're not filled with the Spirit gang, guess what? We're still filled. We're filled with something. And if we're not filled with the Spirit, if we're not walking in the Spirit, then we're walking in the flesh. And Satan has a great opportunity to use us for his own devices. The consequences of Ananias' sin, it was swift and it was severe. Look at verse 5. Then Ananias, hearing these words, he fell down, he breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose, they wrapped him up, they carried him out, and they buried him. Yeah, I guess there would be great fear. Can you imagine sitting in that audience and all of a sudden, how come you lied to the Holy Spirit, Ananias? Boom, he's dead. Yeah, that would get your attention. You ready for that New Testament church, folks? Let me ask you real quick, don't, don't respond to me, respond to God. Get real personal here. The offering you gave today, was it a sacrificial gift to God? Or was it simply tipping God? Aren't you glad that the Lord doesn't deal with us today in the same way he did? Peter said, you've not lied to man, you've lied to God. don't forget, as we shared, Ananias, he wasn't alone in this deceit. Look at verse 7. Now, it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Can you imagine? She's probably out shopping with that extra money, you know. And so she comes into the church and probably expecting to see Ananias there. She comes in and then Peter asks her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much? She said, oh, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they're going to carry you out. And then, bam, immediately she fell down at his feet. She breathed her last. And the young men came in. They found her dead. They carried her out, and they buried her by her husband. And then verse 3, or verse 11, a great understatement. That the church looked at that, they saw what was going on, and again it says, so great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Bear with me for a moment. My brain works this way when I read things like this. But I can see the scene. Sapphira walking in, perhaps everybody there at church is looking at her. She's saying, oh, they're looking at me because we gave a great amount. But in actuality, they're looking at her to find out when she's going to drop dead. She goes up and and, and Peter looks at her. Hey, Sapphira, how are you doing today? Oh, brother Peter, it's such a blessing to live my life as a sacrifice to the Lord. It's such a blessing to know that we're walking in His will. And I think at that point the people's eyes got bigger. Bear with me. I'm dramatizing this. Okay, just run with me for a moment. I think that Peter then looks at her in a way that probably really surprised Sapphira at that point. There was an inquisition that was about to happen here. Tell me, Sapphira, did you and Ananias sell that land for what you said you sold it for? There's got to be this nervousness about her at this point in time. Because why is he asking me that? Why, why, why is this conversation even going that way? Now, you need to understand, at, at that point, it could have gone either way. I believe that Peter and God himself were giving Sapphira grace at this point. This is your last chance, Sapphira. Did you guys really sell it for that? She could have said, I'm glad you said that, Peter, because no, we didn't. We didn't. We actually kept back part, but we did want to give some to the church. I think, man, it could have gone on for that. But that wasn't her heart. That wasn't her heart when they conceived this idea, and it still wasn't her heart. Yes, for so much, she says. And it's at that point, I believe that there had to be this sadness, this weariness that came upon Peter. It would be similar to, to the feeling that, that you or I would get if we caught one of our children in, in, in a great and grievous sin, a great and grievous disobedience, and we had the proof. We knew exactly what they had done, that they had done it. There was no getting around to it, and yet we come to them and say, Tell me, Jimmy... Was it you that did such and such? Oh no, not me. Uh Uh-uh, not me. Really? This is what we got out of your room. Just a brokenness there of you know that the child did wrong and they're not willing to fess up and you know that they're going to have to live with the consequences. Verse 9, Peter said to her, How is it that you agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look at the feet of those who have buried your husband. They're at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately, she fell down at his feet. She breathed her last. What a great sorrow. What a great time of amazement, though, for the people to realize God is serious about His kingdom's work. And God is serious about the integrity of the church. I believe he was serious about it 2,000 years ago. I believe that he's serious about it today. And all too often, the church is playing games as individuals saying, I am this. And on the outside, they look like that. But on the inside, it's nothing like that at all. In closing, it's kind of like the guy that sold him that piece of property. Say he's a non-believer. But say if that did not happen, if they didn't die and they got away with their sin, can you imagine that non-believer if somehow he found out, wow, oh, they gave 50000 to the church, said that they gave everything, but I paid 100000 for that. These Christians, they're just a bunch of liars and deceivers. They even lie and deceive themselves. But can you imagine now, on the other hand, because God took them to task for it, Perhaps this guy is a lost guy. And suddenly he says, wow, their God is real. Their God is powerful. Their God is not to be trifled with. That's why verse 11 says, So great fear came upon all the church, and upon all who heard these things. So in other words, outside the church. Beloved, it matters how we live our lives. It matters the integrity of our lives. For us and God, yes. For us and the church, yes. But also for us and the world. Because you would be absolutely deceived if you don't think that the world is looking at the church in order to pick out every chip, every stain, every failure that those who profess Christ go through. Are we going to be perfect? (laughs) Not in this world. Not in this world. I know we're going to make mistakes, but the thing that we see here is there was a failure to repent. There was a failure to go back and say, Lord, we we just blew that. We shouldn't have done that. And both Ananias and Sapphira had that opportunity, but they would not take it. And so God took them to the woodshed in a huge way. The consequences of their sin was, bam, immediate. Praise God for grace, amen? Otherwise, you probably wouldn't have a pastor standing here. And as I've looked around, most of you wouldn't be here either. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. But yet in the midst of that grace, we don't run helter-skelter saying, that's okay, God saved me, I can live any way I want. Beloved, that's a heart that's not truly his. Let me encourage you this morning in your life, Number one, if you don't know Christ, that today is the day of salvation. There's no need to wait. There's no reason, there's no logical reason to wait. Surrender your heart and life to Christ today. And if you're here today as a believer and you've got issues in your life that you've been trying to fool man for a long time, believe me, guys, you're not fooling God. You lie to man, yeah, well, we'll get over that. You lie to God, you're going to have to deal with those consequences. Maybe today is a day just to get those things right. Take that opportunity before you leave.
0: Thank you for joining us today on The Open Word. Acts is such an interesting book about the early church and how people engaged with their newfound faith and then spread that good news to their region and the entire world. If you're new to the Bible and are unsure what this newfound faith is, you can learn more about a man named Jesus who came to save you. He came as the Son of God to save you from your sins. These early disciples in the book of Acts were elated to share with everyone what Jesus had done for each of them. They wanted others to know that kind of love, too. If you want to understand this more fully, we'd like you to know that here at The Open Word, we're here for you and we're praying for you. If you have some questions, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church and begin attending regularly. If you live in Casa Grande, we'd love for you to come visit us. The Open Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and we meet every Saturday at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. You're welcome to join us for a time of worship and Bible study and a time to get to know other believers and find support. Find out more when you call us. Again, that number is 520-836-9676. You can also find out more about The Open Word and listen to additional messages by visiting theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Open Word.